Okay, well, it's a, a blessing to be able to uh, stand in this place again today and have before me uh, bright and open faces, uh, endeavoring and wanting to learn perhaps some new things, but many things perhaps that you've heard before. The, um, the subject uh, today, as you all have known, uh, um, has to do with seeking the face of God. And um, so, um, as I think it's noted on the schedule as praying and fasting. And um, we're going to spend a little bit of time at first, maybe 10, 15 minutes or so, rehearsing a little bit of yesterday's talk and uh, finishing up a bit on some things that we never did get finished. So we want to talk about yesterday a little bit. And for you, Casey, yesterday we were talking about um, reading and meditating on the Word of God. And um, that was a good subject, a good thing for us all to talk about, how valuable the Word of God is. You know, um, years ago, I remember being at church one day, and I was helping with the ushering, and I was cleaning up in the back because it was a big meeting in church that, that night, and, and I was um, putting away the folding chairs behind the pews that we would set up if there was a big crowd coming in, and I was uh, picking up the Bibles uh, off the floor, and there was this man tapped me on the shoulder, and he was a, new, uh, he was a visitor there, he was a newcomer, and uh, he's, I know him very well now, he's been around for many years, and um, he was a Russian man who had... Uh, who had gone through persecution in Russia due to his Christian faith, and he uh, just kindly shook his finger at me. And he said, you know, the floor is no place for your Bibles. <laughs> I never forgot that. Uh, Brother Kravitz sharing that with me, and I agree with him. Uh, it's just that there was no other place for some of those brothers to put them, and some of them went off without even picking them up. And, but though that Bible becomes very, very precious when it's almost taken away from you, you know, and so it has been for a lot of Christians over the years. May it be precious to us as well. May it be very, very precious to us as well. There's times when I carry my Bible as I go out the door, and it feels best just right here by my heart. I don't know if you ever get that feeling. It just uh, it feels best right, uh, right there. It's just a, just a blessing to have the Word of God. <clears throat> the sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. O Christ, He is the fountain, the deep, sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted. I don't know if you have, but the streams on earth I've tasted. More, de more deep... I'll drink above. Oh, I am my beloved's, and my beloved's mine. He brings a poor, vile sinner into his house of wine. Hallelujah. I stand upon his merit. I know no other stand, not e'en where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on the King of grace. Not on the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The Lamb is all the glory. 
of Emmanuel's land. I've come to appreciate that words on that song. And I'm uh, going to recommend that we sing it at home, the home congregation. We learned yesterday that the Holy Bible, well, we reviewed it. We knew it before we spoke it here, before we read the words in Timothy, but it was inspired by God, the inspiration of God, and it was given to us as being profitable for, was it four things? Can somebody tell me? Profitable for doctrine, instruction in righteousness, reproof, and for correction. And so we, we, uh, we reviewed that a bit yesterday. And we also spoke a bit at the closing how that what we put into our minds is what we will meditate about. And I think we can all uh, say amen to that. There's no question really with that. Uh, one of the, um, one of the uh, points that I want to underline again here this morning is the importance of taking the Word of God. And I know that um, some of these others are going to get to that too the later part of the week. But the importance of taking the Word of God not just for recreational reading. But when we read the Word of God, it, it, it is meant to bring application into our lives and actually change the course of a man's life, or then to keep him on the right path. And we uh, covered that also yesterday, but I, I think so much, can, so, so, so many places these days, these people are saying that, you know, um, is, is this really that important? Is that really that important? You know, is that a salvation issue? I want to point you to, uh, to, to, to Noah. I want to point you to the building of, of the ark. I want to remind you that Noah built the ark to the saving of his household. Hallelujah. And uh, I trust that each one of us fathers can also be building our ark to the saving of our household. It may not be wood and pitch and so forth, but Noah, he built the ark to the saving of his household. And I often wonder there about young Seth, I don't know how young he was, or Ham or Japheth, as they were working with their father, and their father was following the details because, listen, it, 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 at the end of the building of the ark, Noah did thus all that the Lord commanded him. And I really wonder, you know, Noah was instructed there to, um, to build the ark out of gopher wood, and he was instructed to bring the pitch, and he was instructed to pitch it inside and out. And I really wonder when he was up there about on the third floor of the ark, and there was just a little area to spread some pitch on, still on the very upper part, and he was on a ladder, and, 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 and Seth was down here at the bottom of the ladder, and he said, Dad, the pitch is all gone. And we just have about four square feet or so to do still. And, um, and, 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 and Dad, I, I, I don't want to go way down there in the valley and get more pitch. Um, and, and Noah just looks sternly at his son and, 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 and said, Dad, it, it's not a salvation issue. It's, it's way up there on top. It's inside. It's, the water is not even, it's not a salvation issue. Thus did Noah. All that the Lord commanded him. And I want to remind us of something. As we read the Bible, as we read the Bible, and uh, I know that we can take portions of the Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to read something here. I don't know if you're tempted to do this ever, um, but sometimes perhaps people would be tempted to read the words of Jesus. In my Bible, they're read. And, and maybe we would tend to, uh, to, to lift them on a higher level, maybe, than the epistles and the, the writings of Paul or Peter and so forth. But I want to remind us of this verse right here. 
if any man think himself to be a prophet. Verse 37, I'm sorry. Chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians, verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you, they are the commandments of the Lord. I'm glad that's in the Bible, reminding us that the Word of God, the whole Word of God is inspired by God, and it's all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. I was so blessed this morning, and, and uh, Lowell, perhaps you were so blessed yesterday, yet you didn't know it. I almost talked about quite a bit of your, of your pasture um, yesterday. I thought about this, these four, three or four, four different uh, preachers um, standing here and, and, and sharing messages, and we really didn't um, share with each other beforehand. And, and I thought about it this way, you're, you're grazing out of four different pastures, okay? Grass is green, I think, in every pasture, and uh, sometimes we get into each other's pasture, pasture a little bit, and, and that's perfectly okay. I mean, some of these brothers have been in the pasture of fasting and praying here a lot, and that's perfectly okay with me. That's a blessing. It's great. It's wonderful. But let's graze in these pastures and, and then meditate on, the, on what we are. Uh, meditate, and uh, even as we talked yesterday about the, the cows chewing their cud, we can just continually think about these things that are, that are said. But why did I... Why did I say that? Okay, the prophets, yes, the prophets, the inspiration of, of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit upon the prophet. It is just, upon the, upon the Old Testament prophets, it's just amazing. I just, uh, I just pulled out just, a, just from some of the, some of the uh, beginnings of the, uh, of, the, of the chapters of Isaiah here and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And just, just read this, just, just listen to these words. And this is just a... Just uh, on the tail end of what Lowell shared with us this morning. Here we have this word in chapter 1 of Isaiah. This is the vision that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. God gave him a vision. Chapter 2, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. And then Isaiah says this in chapter 8. Moreover, the Lord, he said unto me. A beautiful thing for God to be speaking that way to his prophets. The words of Jeremiah to whom the word of the Lord came in chapter 1. Chapter 2, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem. Chapter 7, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Chapter 10, hear ye the word that the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord. Learn not the ways of the heathen. Bear with me a little bit on, prophet, on, on Ezekiel. Remember, he was sitting by the river Kibar. And Ezekiel, I think, was in captivity along with his uh, fellow captors in, in Babylon at the time that this was written. And, and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came down upon him expressly there as he was sitting by the river Kibar with the other captives. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Praise the Lord. Chapter 2 in Ezekiel, the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet. And then chapter 3 uh, verse 1, moreover, he said unto me, go and speak to the house of Israel. Ezekiel, go and speak to the house of Israel. <sighs> okay, I think I'm going to get on Lowe's pastor a little bit here. 
hope he's okay with that. But, um, my, so you think about that and think about the word of, word of the Lord came, coming perhaps audibly, perhaps in a vision, uh, perhaps uh, just the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel as he was sitting by the river there. It just seems awesome that the word of the Lord would do this. And, and uh, somehow does your heart uh, cry out, Lord, speak to me. Uh, in that, in that way, you know, I, I want to hear from God. And uh, I'm just here to tell you that He has, and He is. There's many things that can be missed. We don't understand. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, yes, go ahead, turn there if you wish, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God who at sundry times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last times spoken unto us through his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And yesterday, um, one of the brothers here shared a bit on the word, what it is. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here we read in, in 1 John uh, chapter 1, if you want to turn there. This is now 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the, somebody read it, the word of life. For the life was what? It was manifested. It was shown to you, God himself in Jesus Christ. The word itself was manifested unto them, they had seen it, and they bear witness, and they show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you also, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Son, Jesus Christ. I so appreciated the word this morning as it was brought to us about that, that sister that was using that yellow uh, highlighter in the Old Testament, and, and basically the whole Old Testament should be highlighted in yellow, uh, looking forward to the time of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, young ladies, young men, the Word, the Word has been manifested to you in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have touched Him. We have handled Him. We have seen Him. Learn of Him. Learn of Him. Read His life. Read the living Word, but read the written Word. You know, I... I'm going to give you a warning. And this brings some righteous indignation into my heart. I, 
I couldn't believe what I read one day as I was told about a certain teaching of a certain man who left the uh, Southern Baptist movement and promoted house churches and no leadership in the churches. And by the time he was finished, he was saying that this, that this was to be laid aside. And you're to seek a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from that, that's legalism to think you have to read the word. I don't know if you've heard that. Gene Edwards teaches that. He wrote the book, uh, The Tale of Three Kings, but he wrote many other books. I, I enjoy his book, The Tale of Three Kings. I mean, it's a, it was a blessing to me, but he wrote many other things. And I, to me, it's heresy that you would separate the living word from the written word. I would say read the written word to learn about the living word. Oh, God bless you, every one of you. In Jesus' name, it was uh, so interesting to see this morning the um, Bereans as they were, as that map was brought out, Brother uh, Galen. The Bereans, that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Does anybody remember why they were more noble? They searched the scriptures. How often? Daily. Daily. Thank you. They searched the scriptures. They were more noble than in Thessalonica in that they received the word with a readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily. I am... I was going to do this yesterday, and I, I, uh, I did not. So I'm just going to lay these up here. Um, you may be long. You may know. Um, you may have had Bible reading plans. I don't know. You may, you may have read your Bible through two, two or three times already in a year. I don't know. But there are certain people that have put Bible reading plans together that you can follow that plan. And from January 1st to December 31st of the same year, you'll have read the whole Bible through. Um, I did it last year in 2017 uh, simply by taking a chronological Bible. It was such a blessing where all the books of the Bible were laid out in a chronological order. Actually, chapters were sometimes changed around too. But that was, I really enjoyed that. Uh, some, my, my daughter had picked up a chronological Bible somewhere, and I really enjoyed uh, reading in, in that way. Um, there is actually one of these is, is in chronological order, I believe. There's three different Bible reading plans here. They were simply just printed off the Internet. I mean, you could get them there, too. But uh, just as an encouragement to you all, this one here uh, has you reading. Uh, Sunday, it has you reading out of the epistles. Monday, it has you reading out of the law. Tuesdays has you reading history, books. Uh, Wednesday, the Psalms. Thursday, poetry. Friday, prophecy. And Saturday, the Gospels. Uh, so you can take that one. You can do this one. This one has Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, every day you read some out of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament. And then this one is out of is, is simply in chronological order again. Um, so I just, just if, you know, if you have interest, you can make copies of those. And by all means, just pick up your Bibles and read your Bibles. Um, if you can be disciplined to do that without a plan, that's great. That's wonderful. But don't be afraid to pick up a plan if you need a plan. 
make a plan, have a vision, and read your Bibles every day. It is so spiritually healthy uh, for any one of us. God bless you. We'll move along then and, and uh, enter into the uh, study, uh, the uh, lesson for today on fasting and praying. I'm sure you've read the um, quote from Andrew Murray on the board here. And um, I don't know if you ever have times when, when God is, um, seems like there's an umbrella between you and heaven. You're not hearing from God, perhaps, and you're, you're wondering why God seems so far away and, and all that. And, and um, the board behind it told us this morning that we can be as close to God as we, as we want to be. And I, I, I've experienced some of that. I've tasted and seen the closeness of, of the Lord. And also, I've also experienced some, of, some days when there's been, when there's been a, a cloud over my life as well. But in prayer and fasting, and I appreciated uh, Brother Joe's testimony earlier, in prayer and fasting, uh, you can and you will uh, explore the road uh, to clear and daily communication with God. Now, who wants clear and daily communication with God? Amen. I mean, don't we all want clear and daily communication with God? Humble, obedient hearts that have learned how to daily surrender to Him unlocks His many blessings intended for us. It centers us in His will and enables us to discern His voice in everyday life. I had a beautiful experience recently. It was a hard experience first, and it turned itself into a beautiful experience a little bit of revival in my heart. And, and what happened uh, about a month ago or six weeks ago, my wife had this interest in, in traveling to the state of Florida. And I couldn't go. Zach wasn't around. He was in Bible school, and I needed to take care of business. It troubled my heart. Uh, and I, uh, I knew how badly she wanted to see her mother, which was in Florida. And, and then her mom was ill. And... and um, it ended up that I decided that, you know, she just needs to be able to go. I moped around about that. I moped around the house for a few days about that. And I, um, it was a difficult situation for me. And, and, um, and there was a time when I, 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 gave, a, I gave up and I, I gave it to the Lord. And um, I said, okay, to the Lord. And I was able to bless her in going. She was able to go with a blessing and take my daughters along. She went with a smile, and I sent her off with a smile. <sighs> Took a deep breath. So I watched her go out the driveway. There's a verse in the Bible say that there's a verse in the Bible that says, "He that hath a wife careth for the things of the world." how he may please his wife. He that hath not a wife careth for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. And I decided right then and there, I don't have a wife for a couple weeks. I'm going to pour my heart into the work of the Lord. And I just want to bring that to you. When you have a difficult situation facing you, Young men, young ladies, 
you have a difficult situation facing you, you can make a choice to mope about it. You can make a choice to be down and blue about it. Or you can make a choice to pour yourself into the work of God. Spend time in fasting, praying. And the Lord did something very beautiful. He brought a revival to my heart like he hasn't for a long time. The scripture, Brother Joe, as you mentioned, in, in, after your fasting, the scriptures came alive to me like they hadn't for a long time. And messages that I normally would have spent a day preparing were just, 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 just put together in a matter of just a little bit of time and What if I could live in that revival atmosphere every day, fasting and praying? You explore the road to clear and daily uh, communication with God. Demas is along here this morning again. He has not repented. He actually, we heard this morning, had gone to Thessalonica. Thank you for bringing that out this morning. He uh, is with the scoffers, I think, in Thessalonica. And um, Demas is unable to, uh, was unable to be strong because he loved this present world. He loved the things in this present world. And if we go to um, Ephesians chapter 6, you want to please turn there in Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 10, and this is a scripture where we have the whole armor of God. And I want to read a few of these verses. I'm probably not going to read all of the verses. But finally, my brethren, verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to what? Stand. To stand. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, young ladies. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. To stand. To stand firm. You know, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In the word of God. No, no, no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. Oh, he is about as a roaring lion, Peter tells us. He will take you down at any turn that he is able to. When you get your eyes off of the Lord and upon yourself, the wiles of the devil will be right there to just wipe those feet right out from under you. Demas, when the wiles of the devil come to this man, he falls. I hope better things for you. I hope better things for you that when the wiles of the devil come to you, you will be able to stand against them. Wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to what? 
withstand. When? In the evil day, when those temptations come, in that time you'll be able to withstand. Why? Because the days before that you took upon yourself the whole armor of God and when the temptations came in that evil day you were able to withstand again those wiles of the devil. Hallelujah. This is such a beautiful, beautiful scripture. Stand therefore, verse 14, having your loins girt about with what? With truth. Sanctify them through thy truth, John prayed. What is truth? Thy word is truth. Thy learned, thy loins girt about with truth. It is simply the word of God in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, every day, all the time, reading it, meditating upon it. Therefore, you will be able to stand in that day when those temptations come down the road uh, to you. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It seems like we can't get away from uh, our lesson yesterday, but they, they really, they all just are one lesson. They really are. They're really all just, just one lesson, reading, meditating, fasting, praying, praising, singing. They're really, just, they're really just all one lesson. So it is difficult to, to get past them. I want to uh, thank the one young lady for, for bringing up diatrophies yesterday. Diatrophies. Diatrophies, it seems like, um, had some connections with the Apostle John. And um, John writes about him in chapter 3. No, in 3 John, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 9. You don't need to turn there. But it says there that Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence. He loveth to have the preeminence. Let's turn to Colossians for a little bit. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. You young people need to pray for your church leaders. You know that? You need to pray for your church leaders. They have temptations for preeminence. You need to pray for each other. You young ladies need to pray for each other. 
you all are so, so very, very beautiful. I'm unable to tell which one of you young ladies is more beautiful or the most beautiful. I wonder if it ever enters into your mind that this young lady is more beautiful than that young lady or if it ever enters into your mind that you might have a bit more beauty than some of your friends. I wonder for you young men The Bible says that the strength of a young man is his glory. You know those arm wrestling matches? Wonder if I can take this one down or that one. Maybe you don't do that here. Maybe that's an Eastern thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know you folks. I, I'm kind of shooting in the dark here. When I look at the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, sisters, y'all look pretty bland. Y'all look pretty whitewashed and bland when I see Jesus. When I look at the strength of a young man, and I look at the strength of my Lord and Savior, y'all look pretty weak. Y'all look pretty weak. In all things, that he might have the preeminence in every one of our hearts. God bless you. I know that's your heart. It was your heart long before I said that. may not even have needed to be said, but just a reminder to us. One companion of Paul that I did like to talk about a little bit, since we talked about uh, Demas here and we talked about um, Diotrephes, I'd like to talk about a positive companion of Paul. His name was Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus, in comparison to Demas, Paul says he oft refreshed me. He often refreshed me, for he was not ashamed of my chains. We take from that perhaps meaning that Demas was ashamed of this of this, uh, of this instance in, in, in Thessalonica that happened, this scoffing and things that going on, Demas couldn't handle this. He couldn't handle walking with Paul any longer, and he loved this present world, and he forsook Paul. But Onesiphorus, he was not ashamed of the chains of Paul, and he often refreshed him. But I think of, I think of something here, and the Bible doesn't give us details in many places, but I like to read some details into this into this thought that Onesiphorus often refreshed Paul. If I would be Onesiphorus, I would probably have been the one that would have taken those rolls and those freshly baked rolls and that glass of milk and that slice of cheese to the prison and I would have slipped it underneath the, the bars there and I would have had a word with Paul there a little bit before the, before the guards came around to, 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 to chase me off and I would have probably handed him a blanket through the, through the bars 
I would have probably been one Ciferous. But you know, behind me, and the Bible doesn't speak of her, would have been my wife, would have been my daughters, would have been my son who went out early in the morning to milk that cow in order that that milk could be taken to the Apostle Paul. And my, my daughters, they would have been there. They would have, they would have baked those fresh rolls at 5 o'clock in the morning before one Ciferous had to, had to head out to the prison. And, and I can just picture my wife just running out as I was about to leave on, 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 on horseback there just with a woolen blanket under her arm. And just, I, I know that, that the Apostle Paul, he's cold there in prison on that cold, dark floor. And the Bible simply says that one Ciferous often refreshed me. There's no doubt in my mind that there was some ladies behind that and that there was a young man behind that. And that's just how it is in our homes that is such a tremendous blessing that together we can serve God. We can serve the kingdom of God. We can serve those that are hurting in the kingdom of God and outside the kingdom of God. Fasting and praying. It's a quote from yesterday that I picked up and put it in my notes here. I think it was by one of you brethren. I'm not sure which one anymore. Um, but Someone mentioned that um, fasting and praying is a demonstration of emptying oneself so that we can, so that God's will can be done in my life. And I think it's the same thing that Andrew Murray was saying there, just in different words. Uh, fasting is a demonstration of emptying oneself so that God's will can be done in my life. I also appreciated the thought of the railroad crossing. Um, you know, we come to a railroad crossing and we, and we, if we do as we ought, and we listen to the, to the and, we, and we see this sign, we stop. And we look and we listen. There's a couple uh, intersections there close to our house that are somewhat dangerous intersections, just roads, just cars. There's a sign underneath the stop sign in those intersections. When you stop, Look right, look left, then look right. In other words, while you look left, maybe something came around the corner. So look back and forth a few times before you move ahead. That is such a very, very, very good thing. Very good thing for us as Christians as we go to fasting, as we go to prayer, to be in continual um, tune with God, with God's word, with those Christians that are around us, um, just to hear from God in, in many different uh, areas, to spend some time in, in, uh, in, in our choices that we have, to make a watchful eye and a heart uh, upon our surroundings. Turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5. I don't think this scripture was brought up in all the talk that was brought out about Fastings and praying may have been that I missed it. I'm not sure, but it doesn't really matter. We want to talk here about fasting. And there was a question that came to Jesus from the Pharisees. They had, um, they had already rebuked him for eating and drinking with publicans and sinners. 
And Jesus said to them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they right away said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? In other words, Jesus, thy disciples are not fasting. And they're asking, why is this? And Jesus answered them this way, can, the, can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Brothers and sisters, we are in those days. Then shall they fast in those days. Why? That's some of the things we want to explore here this morning a little bit, is why shall they fast in those days? If we would go to Acts chapter 1, which I don't think would take time to, but there the disciples were all standing around, and they were looking steadfastly up into heaven, and the Lord Jesus had just been taken up from amongst them and was disappearing into the clouds up in heaven, and they were all, if you can imagine yourself being there, this, this man with whom they had walked, and he had taught them, and he had healed the sick, and he had... He had, he had caused the, the blind to see and, and cast the devils out of people and, and he's there talking to them and giving them the last words and he just, he just rises up and he, he's disappearing up into clouds and, and uh, this, this angel comes to them and says, why stand you here gazing up into the sky? I think we all would do the same thing. We wouldn't question uh, that at all. But, uh, and, and he answered, and, and, and he said, why stand you here gazing up in the sky? The same Jesus that was taken up in like manner shall he again return unto you. And then uh, I think it's a verse in 1 Corinthians that I want to read here. I have it in my notes. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye. Stand fast. There's that standing fast again. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith and be strong. Mark 13, 33, take heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is of his return. Watching and praying and waiting upon the Lord's return. What does that mean to you? Sitting on a park bench, drinking lemonade, watching the clouds roll by, wondering which one Jesus is going to come out of. That's not all bad. I remember doing that with my little daughter and looking up at the clouds and explaining to her that one day Jesus is going to come back and her eyes got so big, you know. That's, that's not all bad. Enjoy your time in the park bench and drinking your lemonade. And... But it goes much deeper than that. The watching goes much, much deeper than that. And that's what we want to talk about here for a little bit. It is more than that position on the park bench. It is more than just going about our daily life and doing those things that we want to do and expecting the Lord Jesus to come back and receive us up into heaven. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27 tells us, and I, this morning or yesterday I was doing some things with a marker. Actually, I was putting Demas' name on this, his stupid little pedestal there. And, and I, I had this marker in my hand, and I got a black spot on my hand, and it's, 
actually still there. And I said, oh, no. Immediately I thought of this verse. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verse um, 27, Jesus is coming back. The Bible says he's coming back for a glorious church. Not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And here I am with a spot on my hand. And I asked Elaine, my wife, I said, can I wash this off? And she said, no, it's permanent. Permanent? It can't be permanent. Well, she said it will wear off eternally. Eventually, it's a... <laughs> eternally. It's a, eventually, it's a, it's a permanent marker. Honey, it's a permanent marker. You can't just wash it off. I tried my best. I scrubbed and carried on a while. But it's still there. But eventually, it may wear off. But... And I remember being at a uh, seminar with some brethren from church, and we had a brother along by the name of Craig Bradford that used to attend our church, and he was very, very, very articulate with his clothing. Uh, I, I never uh, was with a, uh, with a brother that was so articulate with his clothing, and in the morning he would always iron his clothes before he would put them on, and the rest of us wouldn't, wouldn't bother. And... and uh, and some of the brethren were poking fun at him a little bit one day, and I rebuked them, and I said, Brethren, don't you know the verse in Ephesians 5, 27? Jesus is going to come back without a wrinkle, for those without a wrinkle, without a spot, and without a wrinkle. I never forgot Brother Craig. He's a dear brother to my heart to this day. <clears throat> but I trust it's going deeper than the clothing and the spots in our hand as we watch for Jesus coming back. It's going deeper than that, to the wrinkles in our hearts, to the spots in our hearts as we're watching and praying and purifying ourselves, even as he is pure. Every man, every man, young people, that hath this hope in him, what does he do? Tell me. He purifieth himself, even as he is also pure. Oh my, that's quite a challenge. Purifying myself, even as he also is pure. That's a, that's a lifelong endeavor to get those wrinkles and those spots out, preparing for the bridegroom uh, to come back for his, for his bride that is without spot and without a wrinkle. Let us be diligent. You know he's coming back for a glorious church and if that church is going to be glorious, if that church is going to be glorious, you know where it starts? Thank you, Aaron. You know where it starts? It starts with each individual. It starts with each individual in a very, very pers personal, personal way. We were a part of a church in the early years of our marriage. I shared some of our testimony yesterday with you all, but we were a part of our church Part of a church in the early years of our marriage. It was a um, it was a Mennonite church there in there in the south side of Lancaster. I think now they would be part of the Mennonite Church USA. They had been contemplating at that time whether they want to join up with Mennonite Church USA. Mennonite Church USA just ordained, I think, their first lesbian pastor. <clears throat> it's a sad situation. We were part of this church. In 93, 94, 95, Nalene and I with our little children, it was such a perfect church. 
I remember that church. All the ladies, all the older ladies had their hair perm just perfectly. They looked so quaint and pretty. Some of them had little white doilies on their head or little white coverings on their head. Their dresses were just so. The younger ladies were had their hair done, their nails done, and their faces done, and their high heels and fashionable clothes, and it was just perfect. It was just perfect. The worship band front that led us in worship, you know, that young lady that hit those cymbals on the drum, she did it just at the right time. It was so perfect. The most phenomenal thing about this church is that there was no sin in this church. Until one day, about 1994, a man walks down the aisle of the church and he confesses sin to the congregation. Not only sin, but immoral Sin. Shameful sin. Sin that should never be named in the church of Jesus Christ. The church was astounded. It was shocked. It was... People turned white in their faces. They didn't know what to do. This man had asked his pastor before he confessed his sin whether he should do this in the congregation and the pastor said, well, he doesn't really think it'd be important. He confessed it to God, he confessed it to me and the Holy Ghost was upon this man and he just felt like he had, to, he had, he had betrayed the church. So he needed to confess this sin. Church was over, and this one young man came up to Brother Paul, and he he was about 10 years younger than I was, and he said, um, can I meet with you next Saturday? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for Dwayne Mellinger's. I'll never forget that young man. Not only did he meet with me one Saturday, but he met with me for a year every Saturday to disciple me out of that horrible sin that could have ruined our marriage into a life in Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for that young man. We don't share the same doctrinal truths together this day, but God used him in my life. To help me on to victory. I remember one Saturday when we met together and I was confessing a failure. And and he asked me if I'm going to share it with my wife when I get home. And I said, no, Dwayne, of course not. I've hurt her before. I'm not going to hurt her again. No, I'm not going to share it with my wife. He didn't say anything. His eyes just went down. And I went out and got my van and I... Barely I put my van in reverse to back out of the parking lot. I knew. Oh, God is so good. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is so good. 
I knew I needed to talk to my wife. It was devastating. It was hard. But what came out of it is so beautiful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I tell you what. Never fear confessing your sin. Fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God bless you. God is so good. Fasting with a purpose. Oh, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Be strong in the truth of God's word. You know, in the Old Testament, turn to Luke chapter 2, please. In the Old Testament, a, um, Messiah had been promised over and over, many different places, Isaiah, Malachi, this Messiah, and um, many missed the Messiah. But behold, verse 25, I'm in Luke chapter 2, but behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. And what was he doing? Is anybody there? Aaron, are you there? He was waiting. For the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then Mary and Joseph brought the Lord Jesus in, we know the story. Simeon took him up in his arms. He blessed God and he said, Lord, now let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. So in Simeon, we see one that was watching and waiting for the Messiah. We're at the same place today. We're watching and waiting for the return of Jesus. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> Just uh, want to talk about Anna here a little bit. Anna was a widow in verse 37, of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Wow. Talk about fasting. She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him, to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And here was a lady that, um, that um, she was simply just fasting, praying, and waiting for the Messiah. And when he came, what did she do? Did anybody catch that? What did she do when, she came, when, when, when the Lord Jesus was presented in the temple? What did she do? Anybody? She gave thanks. Amen. What else? 
everyone in Jerusalem that she knew that was waiting. She heralded forth the news to everybody that was out there. She, she knocked on doors. She, was just, she went throughout Jerusalem just proclaiming the news that the Messiah has come. And she, I can just imagine the excitement on this old lady's face that had been praying and fasting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Pete, I'm going to need just a little bit more time, please. I, I have... I have an important point I want to present. I know that you're going into a um, you're going into a uh, a session here that uh, I feel like I just need maybe just a little bit more time if that'd be okay. I, I just want to make this closing this closing point yet, uh, and I, I can't let this go without without sharing this. Thank you, brother. Why fast? Waiting, watching, praying. For the coming of the Lord Jesus. When Jesus was asked why his disciples are not fasting, he simply told them that there will be a day when they will fast, when the Lord Jesus is taken away. He is taken away. We are watching and praying and fasting and waiting and preparing our hearts. But I want to share with you something that fasting does. Have you ever thought about it this way? that we are all called to suffer. We are all called to suffer. Did Jesus suffer? Jesus suffered tremendously for you. Did the prophets suffer in the Old Testament? They suffered for the sake of the truth. They suffered, they suffered, they suffered, they suffered. Jeremiah was thrown in a dungeon. Isaiah, they tell me, was cut in half. It was just, it just, they just suffered. The heritage of God's people. So much suffering. So much suffering. We live in America today. Everything is at our fingertips. How are you, how am I going to train my body to suffer? Or maybe you don't care. I hope you care. Your body needs to be trained to suffer. It needs to be trained to suffer. Listen to First Peter. I think it was First Peter. It was... Well, let's just go there. I can't find it in my notes here. Let's try 1 Peter chapter 4. Yes, that's the right verse. I, I, want us to, I want us to get this verse, and I want us to appreciate this verse for what it is. And uh, chapter 3, I believe, has more in there. And chapter 2, about the sufferings of Christ. Um, for what glory is it, verse 20 in chapter 3, what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable uh, with God. Chapter 4, for as much then as Christ, this is verse 1 in chapter 4, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. 
Fasting is a way that God's people can suffer in the flesh. They can arm themselves likewise with the same mind and suffer in the flesh. But I really like the end of this verse. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And I know that it was talked about earlier. I know that, you know, we talked about it in other, throughout other scriptures. But he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Hallelujah. You know, you, you, you train your body to suffer. We, we raised seven children. Our, our baby is 11 right now. Elaine has many times taken her children, and she has, I think she learned this from the Godly Home series. She's kind of just left them play in another room, and, and then by and by, on purpose, Zachary, come to Mama. Heidi, come to Mama. And if they were disobedient, guess what? They suffered. And it was done on purpose. Okay? So train your bodies to suffer on purpose. Train it to suffer so that it can cease from sin. And you will not fulfill. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. God bless you all.